Hi, I'm Lanny. And I'm Chud. And this is the world as it is today. God, I love that cheer accent. That's <laughs> such a such a good song. Um, yeah, well, gosh. It's been a long time. It's been almost two months. And it's been an even longer time since we've started one of these without talking about how it's been a long time. <laughs> I know. It's been like a year since then. But it's been almost two months. Our yeah. last um, our last episode was our 60th episode, mm. which we brought no fanfare attention to, I'm pretty sure. Because I, I, I don't think I, I noticed <laughs> until I uploaded it. Yeah, 60 episodes um, in, in, up until this. But this is our first one of 2024. Yep. First one of 2024. And we, like... We're always saying it's really hard for us to get together and do this. And that's increased as a, as you're, when you have a toddler, it's funny. Cause like at first you have a baby and it's a ton of work. And then you have a baby to toddler. That's like pretty minimal to take care of. Like they they can't really do very Especially much. When they got a big brother. Yep. You know, and then they get to be to the point where they're like too much for the big brother to handle. And the big brother's like, I don't, you guys can't put this responsibility on don't me. Don't leave me alone with him. <laughs> he keeps punching me in the face. <laughs> It's like, oh, I wonder where he learned that. Yeah, right. Uh, um, he just doesn't know to pull the punch because it's a fun joke. Like it's uh, right. And now it's just really getting slugged in the face by a three-year-old that's actually pretty strong. So yeah, we have uh, we had our hands full on that front, and just been busy um, all around. You know, and we had Christmas, we had New Year's, we had my birthday, which we drew new no attention to. I didn't mm-hmm. online or anything. You know, when you used to be on. I don't know. I'm saying it like you, but you know, I used to be on Facebook mm-hmm. and somewhere deep in my uh, account had my birthday and would send people notifications. So people I haven't talked to since kindergarten, the 400 people would or send people me a message. Never spoken to like, um, like Dudley tire in, uh, in Fremont is <laughs> like, happy birthday, Lanny. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I, buy tires I, from you? I must've accidentally subscribed <laughs> to you at some point. Oh my gosh. I'm a discount tire, man. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, who are you to talk to me? <laughs> delete, delete. I don't want discount tires. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I turned 40, which seems like it's a big deal, but it's not really, it seems pretty much about the same as 35. No, it's a huge deal. You're over the hill and you need black balloons to celebrate that you're like near death. We've talked a lot about how when we were young, it was really the thing to do to like the adults to give each other gag gifts about getting really old on their 40th birthday, balloons and t-shirts that said over the hill and like uh, hemorrhoid pillows and yep. freaking whatever pre- like, preparation H and their in their gift bags. I remember all of those gifts you just said so vividly from my dad's 40th birthday. I was whatever age, you know, I was like 10, 12, yeah. something like that. And he turned 40 and it was like, I don't know. I thought it was awesome because there was Grim Reaper everywhere. Yeah. You know, like I was yeah. kind of, I was kind of a young, young metal head. And I thought black balloons <laughs> and fucking cool. Grim Reapers and shit was pretty cool. Uh, hemorrhoid pillow that like will blow up hemorrhoid pillow with a grim reaper said over the hill over the hill over the hill on yeah. everything and a t-shirt a black t-shirt that said over the hill and everyone like really like hounded him because that was just a trend yes and you know well and then i didn't realize it was a trend because when you're a kid and you see something the first time you think it's something that may have always existed and you yeah. just didn't know about it so i didn't know it was just like a trend it's no longer the trend and now that i'm over 40 now that you just turned 40 it's like if, if, if a couple years ago, people gotten me a bunch of shit saying I was dying. Yeah. Would have been like, what in the fuck are you talking like about? So many levels. I feel like our life is just beginning. <laughs> and, you know, it might have to do with my slow maturity. Like, you know, uh, 
I, I got started late in life because I was busy drinking and drugging oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We've talked a lot about you being a shitbag. <laughs> maybe, maybe if uh, we'd started our grown-up life at 18, yeah, um, like a lot of people do or used to, or the people from the that were turning 40 in the early 90s were, you know. Maybe it'd feel like we live a more of a life than we'd feel this right. Way. I mean, there's some people that turn 40 and their grandparents certainly doesn't seem like death is imminent. I guess over the hill would indicate like it's just if you're it's all top, downhill from if here. You're up at the top of the hill. Yeah. You've you know, reached like your peak and now it's all downhill 40, from here. You're gonna live to 80. Yeah. Is like the assumption. Yeah. And you know, like now's where things get easier. But then why associate oh, blackness and and grim reaper when i say it's all downhill i always think that means like it's like it's all like worthless or whatever oh, no, like no, no. it's all getting worse but you're right At downhill from here means go on a hike it's easy go on right? a hike when you're over the hard part you get up the hill and then it's all downhill from there it's much easier yeah you're like coasting or whatever right yeah, yeah wow you're, you're oh. using different muscles you've been overusing the muscles pulling you up now you're gonna go back that's down. so funny using the opposite oh muscles, my gosh okay and you have uh, gravity or I'm, the theory of gravity pushing you forward i'm too. 40 years old and i've never understood that in that way it's kind of like when um i realized the phrase college try didn't mean a half-ass try oh yeah like i felt like it just i i always thought it just meant oh a good college try that's you where you go, go party and sort of <laughs> sort of like maybe kind of do some work yeah and i think that uh that's not what that means it means like you're really giving it yeah the call yeah give it the old college try it means i really tried hard to make it work but didn't yeah happen. and i had i yeah i did not get that either until just a couple years ago so <laughs> that's cute and i'm open to being wrong about those phrases too oh i know and who knows every maybe phrase could have ten multiple interpretations yeah, yeah. Exactly. uh-huh so i kind of thought maybe for this episode we could just kind of talk about what we've been up to and what we've been getting into um i think like you know, we got a bunch of new baby chicks. Our our kids are growing. I'm kind of digging more into a different kind of you know homeschooling with our 10 year old. Um, I've got the preservingtoday.com website that I'm updating uh, not as often as I'd like now, which after some technical difficulties. But my YouTube channel, I'm doing weekly videos, and I've kind of changed the way I do them so they're almost like a hybrid podcast with visuals because I just it's a little longer form than it was previously where it was more of a tutorial mm -hmm. so I'm talking more about the whys and hows and like how you can break the rules and whatever people tell you you can't do things a certain way um which I'm getting really good feedback from and that's nice but in the videos are still only you know 10 12 minutes long they're not like really long ones mm -hmm. so if you're not subscribed to me there yet go check out what I'm doing on preserving today on YouTube and then Chud's got are we content? Mm -hmm. You've had a lot of great episodes since the last time we were on here. Oh, um, sure. If it's been a couple months since we've been on here, I mean, me and me and Bob weekly. I mean, we're at 40 episodes now. Um, we've missed a couple, but I always make it up somehow. Yeah, we've had some great guests. Uh, Mitch, the Oregon donor, and Andy was just on. And then we do ones with just the two of us where we talk about our sky observations and all kinds of stuff. And it's very, very no holds barred, like whatever the fuck you want to talk about. Um, both Mitch and Andy expressed like that. They really appreciate the mm, open endedness of it. They're not afraid to say anything on this podcast. And that's, that's great. That's you know, what you we're, were setting up. We're not for. hugely popular. 
and that might be almost by design, you know, so it's, that people who are more popular can come on and they can say whatever the fuck they want and it well, can kind of go under the radar a little. Well, and you can have those conversations with those people you want to talk to in the way mm-hmm. that you want to talk to them, which is what the beautiful part of making your own podcast is. Mm-hmm. So I have the Greener Postures podcast. I've been consistently posting for a year and a half. Uh, I took a break, um, a planned break over uh, the holiday and the new year. And my next episode's coming out on Monday the 19th. I have, I'm trying to do something different this year. It's at least once a month, do an interview with somebody, conversation with somebody who's taking radical responsibility of some aspect of their life and them talking about how they're doing that, how they're making changes and how it's affecting them. This first one is going to be about a lady who had a pretty traumatic first um, birth uh, with her first son and then decided that she was taking all of that back and stepping completely out of the medical system. And the first birth and the surrounding circumstances and how she set out to do that might surprise you that it wasn't in a hospital. So that is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Uh, bringing her on was very intentional because it's something that I'm kind of like obsessed. Birth in the medical system is something I've been completely obsessing about in the history of that. And I'm reading a lot of new books that I haven't read in a while and listening to podcasts, I kind of can't get away from that topic as something gets stuck in my craw and I can't, I can't like let it go for a while, which is the way I learn um, kind of obsessively. And that's where I'm at right now. So I'm I'm excited to have that episode drop next week and see what people think about it. I think that's all such a fascinating subject, um, you know, to distill it down from my non-birthing point of view it's it's uh it's really fascinating to me that like we have a system that a lot of people try to get out of by doing like say a home birth and then they do a home birth by inviting a medical midwife into their home who is sanctioned by the state and tells you the things that the state it's like we think we're getting away from it but we're actually inviting the state into our home instead of going into their home of right. the hospital. And yet maybe they have a slightly different approach, but they're still legally bound to similar rules and regulations and similar birth timelines that the hospital is. And that's what a lot of people wouldn't even imagine when they're going into a home birth. Mm-hmm. So before we like really dig into that, which I'm probably going to rant about, um, I wanted to just bring up that if anybody feels that there's some aspect of your life, and I mean, it can be really seem really small, just like some area of your life where you're opting out of a system that you don't agree with and creating your own way of doing things, I want to talk to you. So if that's with your food, with your food system, with um, some other aspect of the way you live or things that you consume or the way you're raising your family or the way you're working a job or starting your own business or any of those things, I'd like to talk to you. So you can reach out to me at greenerpostures at pm.me and let me know what you would want to talk about and we can see if it would work for, for that podcast and get you scheduled. So I read this book called Pushed, The Painful Truth About Childbirth and Modern Maternity Care by Jennifer Block. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of look at what who the author is before I started. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I should read this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to like this lady. She's a former editor of Ms. Magazine. That's a feminist magazine. And then I think of it as a feminist magazine uh-huh. that maybe I would have liked when I was like in my riot girl days when I was like okay. in eighth, ninth grade. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, she's like, I was like, oh, and she's also had her work um, 
in the publications like The Village Voice, The Nation, the Nation Mother Jones, and Elle, which is like a beauty magazine. So I'm like, okay, so she's specifically a feminist writer is what I'm gathering just from that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so what angle is she going to be coming at this from? And turns out it was quite fascinating. And I think maybe the the biggest, I'm going to jump way ahead to my full conclusion after this book, and then maybe we'll dig into like, the history how you got to there. the history of maternity care and how I got here. Okay. But what she brings up several times, which I think is really interesting, people that are in the birth world and trying to support women to not be physically, emotionally abused in the system, um, held against their will, forced into surgeries, all these horrible things that we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, those people and those activists go to places like Planned Parenthood and other pro-choice organizations that want to make abortion available and free for everyone. And they say, hey, women's rights, my body, my choice, we need to talk about childbirth and how these things are happening to women in horrible ways in the hospital. And they say, no, yeah, yeah, we don't want to talk about birth. We're only talking about abortion. Isn't that fucking crazy? Like you're, you're blowing my mind um, just right there with that, because that's what that fuck that's that's why that movement's bad right you know like like uh it's like a blind spot that i never looked at like i'm like yeah fuck those places because they promote abortion and people go well there's sometimes an abortion's necessary and it's like it gets into like kind of a really arbitrary there's a huge gray area there that you could argue with. what we're not talking about is what they're more importantly what they're not talking about what these in quotes feminists are not talking about is all this shit that you've been diving in on and i'm i'm i kind of take in your your uh the, the kim trails you leave behind because <laughs> well i mean like obviously we talk all the time so like and I, I can't not rant about what i'm learning about when it's so heavy that's you why know? that's why i had that distillation that i said earlier of that we're inviting the state in it's like from you know, i've and i've listened to a couple things that you've recommended and things like that too in the last few months um i i could say i'm down that rabbit hole too it just feels a little weird just i could say that to a normie yeah, that would be true. I can't say that to you because you're like you're actually in the rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, that's that's like the new angle I want to fucking take when I'm talking to to anyone who's pro uh, uh, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, like okay, yeah, yeah. I don't give. I want to say I don't give a fuck about your abortion talk. I want to talk about you fucking killing babies. You're going to kill babies. You're a serial killer. In my life. I don't know what. It, okay. So I want to pull back from that and just say, yeah, okay. That's already available and pretty widely. Yeah. I'm and not, so, I'm not too worried about that, but you know, what's not available widely is women having free choice in their own childbirth yeah. and their own maternity care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the state gets involved in sometimes even legally to remove people and their children and their previous children because mm-hmm. of the choices they make in pregnancy and birth. Mm-hmm. And that is fucking shocking. And if we're talking about mandatory vaccines and how horrible that is, scale it back and look at the last 150 years and see how we've been treating women in birth and say, OK, we should have been angry a long time ago. We have normalized this to pretend like this is what birth is. If this was what birth was, human humankind would not exist. Right. Because we could not have survived before there were bright lights and shiny metal instruments. That's what and it, men to tell us how to put our bodies so that they, we could deliver a baby. That's like the first layer of this. I'm going to call it a psyop. Um, we could probably be refined on, on what we call it. But uh, the psyop to get us to believe that this is what we need to do. Tell it. Tell anyone, listener. Tell someone that you're pregnant 
and tell them that you're going to do a home birth, uh-huh. just a home birth, just say home birth. And what is the general reaction? It's like, that's dangerous. Oh, sure. Do that. Well, I can tell you uh, from personal experience because I did that with our second kid and I told people and I realize now, like if I had to do it again, I would have protected my space better and I would not have shared information about my plans. Yeah, yeah. But I had everyone, oh, you can't do that. Oh, when the back, back pain hits, you're going to need that epidural or somebody else saying, so oh, it's really dangerous. Say that to you, or yes, you no. Feel, I can tell like you the that. woman's name okay, yeah, yeah. and her I'm email not, address. <laughs> I'm not not believing you, but I could see how some of the things that work, because no one said that to me about you having a home. No. But people did express concerns, which could make me feel like they were telling me I can't do that. Okay. So can I specifically say for that instance, the person I'm talking about was a customer at the auto body shop that I was assisting. And she was telling me that. And that's how, that's how deeply we knew each other. I had helped walked her through two car repairs. So that's goes into the same basket as people who you've never met, who tell you uh, medical advice on whether or not you should be vaccinated with which type of vaccine. Yeah, people just, you know, seeing you're in a situation in the grocery line and then telling you something. And the thing is, is this topic is so heavy and so hard to talk about because any woman who has ever birthed or known someone who birthed has a strong opinion about, no, I saw it firsthand and this is how it was. So if you say, maybe you and your baby weren't going to die and were rescued. Maybe you and your baby were almost killed by the system and then rescued big air quotes. Let's say that again in just a second of that. I want to first reiterate and finish my, my first line of the psyop is to make people think it's dangerous. Yes. So you tell someone you're having a home birth and they say, you can't do that. It's dangerous. Birth is inherently dangerous. It's dangerous. It that that's why people used to have to have 10 kids was because like a bunch of them are going to die. You're going to lose three or like, four of them. Like one of the parts of home birth or natural birth, let's call it natural birth in this moment. One of the problems with natural birth is like everyone dies, including mom, Yeah. right? Mothers and babies died for all of humanity. And that's why we couldn't have a population boost until, until modern the 19th medicine. century. And that's when we had medical intervention. And that's when we were able to overpopulate the earth, which by the way, we need to, oh wait, I'm getting out of the, <laughs> uh, which by the way, we need to, we need to scale back. Can, let's take, let's scale back here. Calm down. Cause I'm yelling at you. I've been yelling and, and I'm at you. talking about abortion again. You were getting already. right there. So let's just say, okay. So there's some um, things in media, which we've talked actually quite a bit about before. Um, where like for look who's talking the 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 movie right? We we know how babies are made. We know how they're created. We know how they grow. What every stage of gestation looks like, and we have all these diagnostics tools to determine whether or not your baby is healthy and safe. And if they're not, we have all these interventions that we can do to make sure your baby is healthy and safe. Right? Birth is inherently dangerous. It needs to be managed under the care of an obstetrician gynecologist. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, an obstetrician is a surgeon. They are a trained surgeon and they look at this problem, this birth problem, this process, right? As a, from the point of view of a surgeon with surgery being the final answer for something that doesn't go exactly as play. All hospitals have a model of care that they follow. And it's the same for any woman, no matter how her situations are different based on if you're, um, you know, a normal birth or if you're considered high risk, high risk could be someone who's underweight or overweight or has pre-existing condition like diabetes, um, or, um, high blood pressure or any, any 
of anything like that, right? Or actually <laughs> advanced maternal age, which is any woman over the age of 35. 35 and over is considered AMA or a geriatric pregnancy. Those put you in a high-risk category, which they bump up the severity level of which they're going to respond to things they think might be going wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, what did we do before we had these diagnostic tools? We birthed in our homes because childbirth is just the conclusion of pregnancy. And it's a completely normal thing that happens to like every woman. Phrasing. I've heard, yeah, I know I heard someone else say it was probably on the free birth podcast, but it's a conclusion of pregnant. It's a conclusion of a period of your life. You could say taking a dump is the conclusion of eating a meal. Okay. Okay. I like that. I'm going to say that for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm going to go conclude that meal I yeah. ate yesterday morning <laughs> after my <laughs> cup of coffee. So you can say that too. And it's true. And it, taking a dump is a normal bodily process. You don't have to call intervention in when you're pooping. Well, (laughs) if you're pooping and something's stuck and you're bleeding heavily and you, and you have like a problem, you would know there was a problem and you would seek medical help. Mm -hmm. But if you're just going to take a dump, you're just taking a dump. Now, babies are different than poop. I just just want to say, I don't know that I would seek medical help at that point. (laughs) Like I would try to work it out. I would seek help maybe. Right. Like if it, like I might, I might need something outside of me, but medical help say, Hey, Lanny, can you pull us out of me? (laughs) Or if, if it's say, say I'm past that point where I'm like, no, I'm like fucking bleeding. And there's something like really lodged in there. I was medical is, it makes me think hospital. Oh, sure. And I ain't going to the hospital yet. I'm waiting until I talk to someone who's got, I'll say medical experience. So the the point that I have here is you're going to be first exhausting all resources. And if you know, you will know when there is a true emergency and you need to go to the hospital. And if you don't know, and you're unconscious, your family will know yeah. because you're fucking unconscious and they can't wake you well, back as long up. As they're awake, like people, yes. awake people. Um, because some people like, uh, with our son, I've been going through Diary of a Wimpy Kid. They get uh, those those books. They 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 get a bumper of bruise, and the mom takes them to the hospital. Oh sure, no, they I go not... to the hospital all the time. And what I'm saying, those that... people aren't awake though. No, right? but know, like... then she's also going to know when you need to go to the emergency room. She just also thinks you need to go to the emergency room, and you don't. So my only point is, is if you have a fucking true emergency, you're going to know it. So yeah. let's move past that okay, one. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to hang out. So we 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 know that, right? So until that Can we point. Just keep talking about dumps though. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up a lot because <laughs> I think it's funny. And I also think it's also kind of offensive <laughs> to like birthing people because you can't relate a shit to a baby. It's totally different. I'm gonna just to to make it clear, I'll keep the metaphor a metaphor and I won't comment on if it was my shit. Like, like if I was taking that shit, when would I go to the oh, hospital? Oh yeah, don't like make I it personal. Did. Like I'm not going to do that because, well, because what's the point? For one thing, I'm never going to have a baby, mm-hmm. right? So I don't need to compare this to anything. But I do get the 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 analogy that you're making. And so I, I'm, I, I'm like, gonna, yeah, if we could move past it, but also speak. If I ahead. start to interrupt you about pooping again, d- tell me to okay, fuck off. Okay, <laughs> already, leave it. Leave it to the. You're birthers. doing it right now. Leave it to the birthers. <laughs> So, okay. 400 women. So we can say for sure, stop. We can say for sure that over the last 150 years, we've confused women and people in general about what is and what is not an emergency, a medical emergency where you would need to seek care. So it's true. That is valid. We might not know, but if you're um, leaning into your intuition, you are definitely going to know whether or not you need help outside help. Okay. We'll just call it outside help. Right. 
So if, if you don't, labor progresses naturally. It's different for every single woman. There's, there's different phases in it. There's some parts of it that are predictable, but they happen in different way for every person. There's many, there's as many birth stories as there are women in the natural birth community. But in the hospital, they have this managed care, which has a timeline. So you need to, for people who know nothing about birth, I'm sorry, I'm just going to use terms here. I'm just going to go with it. But like, you need to dilate to a certain part over a certain period of time in the hospital, say by 12 hours, they want you to have you be fully dilated. And if you're not, then they're going to alter that in some way with medication or with other intervention, right? If your water breaks and cause labor doesn't always start with your water breaking. Sometimes I've seen enough sitcoms to know it does, right? It's just this water flow. You start screaming, you yell at the guy for putting this That's in right. you. And then <laughs> that's right. So that's not how it always happens. Sometimes your water doesn't break at all. And your baby is born in call, which means in their actual birth sack with the fluid around them still, which is pretty Since amazing. It's so amazing, which also would be really way harder to pass. Cause it's going to be a larger object, even though it's squishy, but, um, you, you have all these different variations, right? And if your water has been broken for over 12 hours, they start to say you're um, increased risk of infection. They're going to want to do IV antibiotics. And they're going to want to say, Hey, if your labor doesn't start within this many minutes, this many hours, we're going to need to do something Mm -hmm. by then in the hospital. They're definitely already pushing Pitocin, which Mm -hmm. is a synthetic form of oxytocin. Uh, For those who don't know, oxytocin is a chemical that your brain makes. It's a hormone. And in the purpose of labor, it helps contract contract your uterus. Um, in the purpose of labor, naturally, oxytocin helps. It's the love hormone. It's what's released when and you have an com- orgasm, and, and when you kiss. And contraction is what pushes the baby. The contraction through. of the uterus is what helps move the baby down into the birth canal and out. And it continues afterwards. To shrink your uterus down and close the blood vessels where the placenta was attached so the Seems mom doesn't bleed out. In its natural sense, that's beautiful it's such and a it's perfect showing design the like it's been a while since i've made the comparison but that the human body is a machine on a perfectly functioning machine and if you know that own. the side effect of the oxytocin or one of the main purposes in my opinion not only to bring the baby but not only to stop the bleeding but also to bond the mother and baby together. And then, and then you get this other side. Aside from the physical, you get the... Yeah. 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 So oxytocin is released Beautiful. when you kiss, when you hug, Beautiful. when you have sex, when you have an orgasm. It's released when you're nursing. Um, it's like all these different times in your life where you want to have bonding with other people. That hormone is at play. And they found how to make... Oh, I can't remember when it was a long time ago. 1800s, maybe before. They found how to use a byproduct from the beef industry, which was to take the, the oxytocin from the pituitary gland. I think it is of the, of the cow and make it into a form that you could inject into a woman and get that reaction. Right. Mm -hmm. Which the reaction you get from a synthetic, well, I'm saying synthetic, but yeah, this would be just, it wouldn't be synthetic. It'd be from a different animal, but you're taking it from one animal and putting it into another human and you get the contracting uterus but you wouldn't get the same effects of the bonding, right? The brain effects. And with that form of of oxytocin, 
or Pitocin, they injected it into a muscle, I think, um, subcutaneously. It wasn't into an IV. And so you didn't okay, have So not into your veins, right. but instead into just your into your skin, body. Like, like you could you stick would it in your insulin. stomach or your mm-hmm. thigh. Or, okay, and or that, that meant that you got a certain amount of medication and then that's what you got. You couldn't alter it, right? You couldn't stop it at that point. And so you had a certain half-life to, to ride through. So if you gave it to a woman and it was too much, you couldn't take it back. Okay. Eventually, they found out how to make a synthetic form of Pitocin. They patented it, and they were excited that it could go straight into an IV, so you could turn it up or down or take it out if you wanted to. You could start okay. slower, and which was, seemed like a positive thing okay. and may have been. <clears throat> okay. Side effects of Pitocin. Number one, the postpartum depression, lack of bonding, right? Okay. But really, number one, that should be it's number a side two. Side effect of Pitocin. Yes, because you don't make your own natural oxytocin when you're on Pitocin. Pitocin's synthetic. Oxytocin's Cre- what uh, you create. Right. That's so, the- Pito- okay. I just needed to start. I'm, yep. Oh, I terminology for a dumb guy. Pit is the one the doctor gives you. Oxy is the one that you take. Uh, you make naturally. You make- Okay. So, um, another, a side, a big side effect of of Pitocin is really, really strong contractions of the uterus, like really intense ones that would never naturally happen. Back up one sec. So a side effect of Pitocin is postpartum depression. Yes. It's connected to how the woman's feeling days later, hours later, because it affects the way you, uh, uh, that you would make the oxytocin naturally in your body. Uh-huh. So it doesn't, your body doesn't respond the same way after birth when you start nursing and things like that. Oh, okay. So is it like your, what did you say? Pituitary gland, your, your gland, your, your, your tocin gland yeah. uh, would produce oxytocin can not continuously necessarily, but like it would continue to do it post-birth yeah anytime you nurse or anytime you look at your baby or but kiss if you're them. doing this synthetic one your gland your your uh tocin gland is d- not working it's not kicked in and so it's going to take some time to pick back up because you, the oxytocin is also released anytime you nurse your baby or look at them and feel that love feeling yeah that is always happening and that feeling is helping your milk let down so that's why like if you're a nursing mom and you need to go back to work and you need to pump, it's sometimes really hard to extract milk when you're not around your baby and you're using a machine. Yeah. And what people do is they'll look at pictures of their baby when they're nursing. Oh, really? It's like porn for sex. It's like you have to look at that picture of your baby to let your body have that reaction that Whoa, it needs to have. Right? That's far out. So it just they record their baby crying and shit too, and like listen, like you I'm can just listen to the sound and then see them. I worked at a place once that had a uh, milking room. <laughs> I can't remember what they called it. it was, yeah, uh, nursing room. It was uh, it was a special room that was set aside, and I went in there a few times because there was a telephone and I needed to use a telephone. This is pre cell phone. And you needed to use a telephone. You'd go into this room that was just a little room. It was off to the side. I don't think there was anyone who used it at that time. No, I mean, because how it often? Specifically, it yeah. had some name that was like it's lactation the room. room was yeah, usually something what like they that. It was it. like you were supposed to go in there and like sit, and it was small. It was like a little bigger than the smallest closet you can imagine. Enough room for a table, a chair, and a phone on it. That was it. So no pictures. What are uh, now, now? I'm trying to picture someone going in there in the sterile little environment mm-hmm. with no uh, no tosin coming out, oxy or pit. And um, trying to pump. So then they start looking at a picture 
It's like, oh, it's doing it, but I need to turn on the sound here. I'm gonna fucking turn on this cassette tape that I have with my baby. Maybe not crying, but talking to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many things that go along with it. We're human beings. We're animals. It's the smell. It's the the feeling of their skin towards your skin. Yeah. All of those things release this cascade of hormones that make the things happen that need to happen in your body. It's beautiful. All of that's to get the the uh, oxytocin moving in your brain. Sure. And I'm really sticking to this, but I could at this point say I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I've never seen oxytocin i this all this shit could be made up but what i do know is that when you do things naturally your body has this response when you do things unnaturally it doesn't Mm -hmm. so if you want to call it oxytocin for the sake of conversation let's do it what i want to get back to is the pitocin okay made synthetic it started to be given more and more frequently to women whose labor was what they call stalling and to stall in labor only means to not fit the hospital's timeline the hospital's timeline is built on a lot of things. Mostly golf schedules. Golf schedules, dinner time, weekends, holidays, but also it's based on what the doctor can get their insurance to cover them for. Okay. Medical insurance calculates risk for the doctor. And there's this huge part of our medical care is not only run by our insurance companies to see if they're going to pay for our care, it's run by the the insurance companies that cover the hospital and the doctors personally. They have to pay monthly to be covered for liability insurance in case they cause a problem. Oh, shit. Those insurance companies say, in court, it will hold up better if you do every intervention possible to try and save a baby. If a baby or a mother dies, you can say, I did, ev- I tried and I did everything I know how I could do. Oh, shit. But if you let the woman labor for longer and she dies or has a problem, that person can sue you and say, you didn't do everything that you could have done. Right? My God, I've, I've been sold on this for months as you've been going down the rabbit hole and I'm kind of trailing behind you. I haven't heard any of that. And that's like, well, if I needed another fucking nail, I'm jumping around so much because <laughs> I get so fucking excited. Like I've reached out for a few people to see if I could vent on their podcast with this, because I want to talk to somebody who can tie this into like, um, satanic mind control kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, ritualistic kind of stuff, because what I'm seeing happening here is twofold. You've convinced the women that they need this. You're torturing, raping them in the hospital. Yeah, right. You've convinced the doctors that they're doing the right thing and making them act this out. And that, that to, from both sides, it's like this crazy mind control abuse. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you bring in the, the uh, f- uh, mental, but also physical fucking rape. Literally rape. The lady says, no, I don't want that. And then you insert something into her vagina. Yeah. They do that all the time. Yeah. So all the time. And they, and the woman has to go, well, it was, she doesn't say it this way, but it, as I'm seeing it now, well, it was for insurance purposes. Well, sure. But the woman actually says they saved me. I was saved. Yeah. And the way you have to reframe it is saying I was saved or it was positive and I was in control somehow. Uh, I don't mean to flip subjects. Are we kind of near the Pitocin? Oh, no, not at all. I barely got to the point of it. Okay. It's just that, well, well, (laughs) earlier you were talking about like the, when you tell other people and they say you have to, I I was saved by Mm -hmm. it. Like, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm just afraid we might not get this back to this. And I really want it to be said that like, when a lot of the time people say, well, that's nice that you're having a home birth. But I had to go to the hospital because X, Y, or Z. And see, that's what I wanted to get. Just these couple of really common interventions out so that people could understand what they were so that we could speak to that in context. Okay. As long as we're not going to 
lose that. No, I want, I want that. that to be yeah, that's because it's important. So the Pitocin is given to increase contractions and help move the baby down. Um, the funniest part, not funny, is the side effect of Pitocin is fetal distress. Uh-huh. Meaning that when you squeeze the baby too hard, their um, their heartbeat lowers. So if you take Pitocin, you're more at risk for them seeing that the heartbeat is lowering and them needing to take you for a C-section. Mm-hmm. Okay? Natural childbirth does not squeeze the uterus that hard and fetal distress is not going to happen. Well, there's probably also some... It's a perfect design machine. If it's the perfect design machine, as I was saying, uh, there's something, you know... Um, God, I'm going to compare it to sex, but, you know, like when you get two people like moving in the right like <laughs> movements and it's like extra great. Right? Yeah, sure. Uh, if the body's knowing the baby and the yeah. baby's knowing the body and these contractions are happening, are they happening in a rhythm that's not affecting the heartbeat or maybe even helping the heartbeat get to the Okay. So what you just said, and the baby's knowing the body, that's a part that's completely left out of medicine. The baby is making their own hormones and releasing things. A lot of people are starting to realize, think, believe that the baby actually sends the signal to the woman when it's time for her to go into labor I like that. and starts to release something that makes the body realize it's labor time uh-huh. because they're mature. There's another part. Pitocin is not only used to um, move your labor along when you're stalling. It's also used for induction. And if you don't know what induction it is, it means it's a scheduled time where you go into a hospital and the doctor says, now's the time for having your baby. Then induction can mean a, um, a scheduled C-section where they just cut it out of you. Or it can mean um, any one of these other interventions that they start with. Pitocin to start your contractions. Um or a, um, a bulb catheter, which is a, a tube that they insert into your cervix and then they inflate it to force your cervix to open. Fuck Li- you. Literally <laughs> forcing the, the rose petals apart on the, the bud. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really want to smell this rose. So I'm just going to fucking one by one peel back the petals. And, and it's not going to cause any damage or hurt anything. And right? it's going to be the same as the rose that fucking bloomed yes. next door. The other part of way to induce is other kinds of um, medications. And I am Silatech. Sp- I'm spacing the name. I think it is. It's the same as an abortion pill. Sounds like a fucking pill. <laughs> you take the abortion pill to, to cause Silent contractions check. and have your uterus evacuate. They Ooh. give it to you to induce you as well. Really? Yes, it's the same exact that, medication. Is that what they call a Plan B pill or yes. whatever? Yes, no. It's, it's the abortion pill, the one they call uh, The Plan B is the one you take. I don't even know about the abortion Just pill, after you had sex. So if you know you're pregnant, you take a pill and it makes you have an abortion. What? That's so they simple. give it to you. They can Some places they can give it to you to have a literal abortion. Other places they give it to you when you've had a miscarriage, but your body isn't ex- like taking care of it right away, like getting it out of you. God, taking that just sounds like the worst fucking thing. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely the worst thing. It sounds like the worst fucking thing. Okay, so there's all these different ways they can induce you. And what's the side effect of an induction is that your body's not actually ready to have the baby. So it's a long, arduous process that oftentimes ends in a C-section because it's not successful. Because the baby's in there going, um, no. The other thing is that side effect is fetal distress because the baby is not ready to come out. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they have their 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 diagnostics wrong they say your baby is too big i maybe you had your due date wrong we need to take them now and they take the baby and it comes out four pounds and it needs to go to the NICU because it can't breathe and you can't you can't take it home for at least a few months now yeah we got to grow your baby so every every intervention leads to more interventions it's what's called the cascade of interventions in Mm -hmm. in the birth community right i like that term it works and it is so we can talk about the history of childbirth and these things building one at a time but i think the thing 
people think is most benign that maybe because it seems so benign is the worst is the fetal heart rate monitor. Not, not the, um, fetoscope where you can just put like a little horn on the belly and listen, not even the, the, um, the sonogram where you can just listen to the heartbeat for a second, but the continuous fetal heart rate monitor. Okay. The thing that in your first pregnancy, they were having so much trouble with, right? They were putting a, a, like a strapping onto my belly and they needed to continuously hear the heartbeat. And that heart rate was being recorded on a computer screen next to me. Um, back in the day, it used to print out in a big, long strip. They called it the black box. And this little piece of paper was going to be their proof. If they ever had to go to court. Um, do you, I don't remember if we've told it on here. Do you remember if, we, if I've mentioned it on here before about, yes. about your... Yeah, the nurse was fussy. She, she couldn't kept, get in in the right spot to hear the heart rate. Well, no, it kept being in the right spot. Yeah. And she would come in before anything. She would go straight to it and move it because it was in the wrong place. Oh, yes. She wanted it. And then she a- would sit there and go, I can't get it. I got to go get someone. I got to get out of here. And then I would just move it back to where it was and it would show up on that little black box screen or whatever. Yeah. And then they'd come back in and be like, no, that's fine. Yeah. And she'd be like, oh, and oh. then she, and as soon as someone else would leave, she'd be like, it's not in the right place. I got to move it. Yes. You know? And that fussy nurse, I had the baby a half an hour that's, after that's she left for the day <laughs> of my memory of the medical birth system and how unintuitive that. Woman oh yeah. Was. Because she just knew it was supposed to be on this spot on a body. Yeah. She didn't know where it needed to be on I've my seen body the diagram a million times. And it goes here, even though like all she needed to do is see that it's working Yeah, and then not touch it Yeah, and be like, oh, that's weird you know, or whatever. But instead it's like, no, we need to say something's wrong because it's supposed to be three inches over here and it's not reading here. It's reading over here. So I don't know what the next thought is. The continuous fetal heart rate monitor. I can't remember when it was invented. So what's wrong with it? So why isn't it just a little monitor? Okay. Let's, let's see. We have smartphones that are doing that to (laughs) us right now. Right. Right. They're listening to everything we say and we're recording it, but what, okay. What when it was initially wasn't from the outside like we have it now, they used to stick a fucking wire up your vagina and attach it, pin it to the baby's scalp so that this machine could read You're the fucking heart rate. Kidding. No, and they still use that sometimes. When was this? Was this 19th century or is this it might have been it might have been uh late 18, maybe when's electricity? It's just it's not it's well, late late 19. Yeah, early 1900s. Yeah, I can't remember. I wish and if I ever get to go on someone else's podcast and you're listening to this, I promise I'll write down these dates and the names of people who have been I'm just I, I'm <laughs> just curious. Not, it's a long ass time ago. Really. They hooked it up as an electrode to the head. Um, it was a pierced I, I the guess, head. I guess I want to say the farther back, the better in a sense, because right? the more barbaric we were, because we've only gotten smarter and better. And we can then, even right? say, even before this, the medical retarded, system but... was starting to say 150 years ago, we're inventing forceps and, and different kinds of things, which are basically like tongs that are shaped a certain way to grab the baby and pull it out. And the, the very, the, the, the jewel of the ball, the very favorite thing in medical intervention is maybe the worst and most scariest thing that I can think of in a large sense. And something I physically experienced in my first birth is the episiotomy. What is that? I know that word. So the episiotomy is when the baby is crowning and they believe that there is going to be a problem. They cut the freaking perineum. They cut the vaginal opening. That's why I know it. Yes. And then the baby emerges quicker. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, for a long time in medicine, they were basically recommending an episiotomy for every, any first pregnancy. Yeah. So you couldn't even, even if you said no, they would do it. Right? Whiten that shit out. So in my first pregnancy, they gave me Pitocin. Shortly after they gave me Pitocin, the, the fetus heart rate started to drop. The baby's heart rate started to drop. And now I know that's not because it was in danger. It was because they were putting me in danger by giving yes. me Pitocin, which was squeezing him too hard. When the baby began to emerge and the heart rate was dropping, they, the, my doctor, who I had had as my personal physician since I was born, she'd done everything me. but deliver you. Yes. I said I didn't want an episiotomy when we were talking earlier, but I never made it like a big strong point like, don't fucking cut me or I'll kill you. I will sue, I will fucking sue you. Right. No, I saw a sharp object. I, I couldn't even feel anything because it was just all so I, intense. I can't imagine. And then the baby's out and she's like, okay, I'm going to sew you up real quick. And then all of a sudden there was a needle with like numbing stuff. I could feel the thread going through during the stitching and I just didn't care because I was with the baby, you know? And, you know, I was there for all of that. I was unaware of the cuttage, but I was aware of the sewage. Yeah. And I was unaware of you not wanting that. So the other part of that is that she said, I tore, I tore, you have a pretty bad tear. I'm going to stitch it up. And when I look back on that, I realized I had an episiotomy and a tear. And at that time, I thought I had an episiotomy, a cut in one spot and a tear in another spot. No, the biggest side effect of an episiotomy is where they cut you. It tears further from, from there because it's fucking you think about uh, a stre stretching a rubber band and then put a tiny nick in it. It's going to break. Yeah. Or uh, anything, fucking piece of cloth, hold it tight between your thumbs and have someone just put a little cut in there and yeah. it's just, you're going to rip the whole thing in half. So a tear, a natural tear that happens doesn't usually tear very far and then it actually heal, heals naturally on its own, but a cut needs to be, usually needs to be sutured. Even a cut might not need to be sutured, right? Do you ever really need stitches or do your, your body just might be different afterwards? Well, someone might say, might say that if it's a cut, it could use stitches because it's it's an unnatural straight edge yeah. and it will never hold together. Whereas it would have tear lines to kind of interweave to if it's a natural cut. But so you go to the doctor, you 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 do all these things during your pregnancy to make sure you're healthy. Blood tests, urine samples, cervical checks. Where for some reason they think they need to look in your vagina every time you see them. Which there's nothing to see there, folks, except if it's dilated or not. I wouldn't mind taking a look. <laughs> You can do my cervical checks from now on. Um, but then they um, they do ultrasounds, which we didn't even talk about. That there's They never tell you there's risks to ultrasounds. There's uh, side effects to ultrasounds that there is. But the worst part of the ultrasound is the same as the fetal monitor. Why is it bad? Because if the machine malfunctions, it's not connected correctly. If they see any dip in it, they think you need to go have a C-section. They think you need intervention. But you know what? Think about this. We were never measuring the heart rate before. So we don't know what's normal. Yeah. We yeah, know what a normal heart rate sounds like, but continuously, does it have naturally have drops and, and peaks? It is. Uh, we're taking data and holding it up against nothing. Right. Yes. And then we're saying it's the wrong data. Right. Like, like and you're saying now it needs intervention. It's similar. I, I don't mean to like, uh, I'm not changing subjects, but I just want to point out it's similar to how we can say how far away planets and stars are. Right. Yeah. We're taking data and we're holding it up against nothing and saying that's how far it is. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's just no like there's no way any scientist could prove to me that that's an accurate distance because we just aren't aren't holding it up to anything. We're just saying the data and they're going, that's that's correct. And in this case, we're just saying the data and then we're saying it's incorrect or correct or right. whatever. Okay. So right? everything they do during your pregnancy and your birth is just to see if they need to take the baby, cut the baby out of you. 
That's what, the way. It, so what they do is they make the fetal monitor and they don't do anything with it except monitor it for like a hundred years on a million women. And then say, oh, and normal birth without any other intervention. Yeah, with nothing else. And, and then, then you and then see, oh, okay. These okay. all had good outcomes and this and this happened. And now we have some data. There's, these, move there's these certain spots where like, you know, if we did something a little different, whenever we saw the heart rate go like this, maybe, and then they could try it once or twice and see if it helps. Oh, I mean, yeah. And so <laughs> and like, if it doesn't help, then stop. And things like the heart rate lowering when they're being squeezed through the final s- section of the birth canal, like, okay, first of all, being squeezed is important part of the process because it squeezes the fluid out of the lungs of okay. the baby so yeah. that when they come out, they can take their first breath and Perfect have it be clear. Machine. Right. Perfect so when you, you lose that, when you're, when you're suctioning them that I didn't talk about, they also have a vacuum extraction method. That's other than the forceps to suck them out. So there's all these things that have been made to seem super normal in birth. And women believe that they're going there and being saved from something. And we haven't even talked about pain management, the epidural or other narcotics that they give you. And you know what? I look at those more and more and I say, that's not for the women. The epidural is for the fucking doctors. Because when you have an epidural, you can't feel your legs and you can't get out of that bed and you can't change position. You can't complain. You're there fucking captive to be able to them then tell you they're the expert and they can do whatever. And it's like saying if someone was an abducted, abducted by a serial rapist, torture, killer, whatever person, and they're like, oh, she really enjoyed the heroin yeah. that they kept them on right? while they oh, were Oh, it was so nice in. because then she wasn't in pain when I was doing all these horrible things to her. Yeah. Okay, so we say the epidural, what's the side effect of an epidural? Well, you can't feel yourself, so you can't tell what's happening. Your body doesn't have the same response to it. The pain, discomfort, sensations that you have during pregnancy, they all have a purpose. Those things make your body release different hormones that it needs to protect yourself from the pain and move the baby out of your body Mm -hmm. and works with the baby, right? So you're working with a drugged mom who can't feel if it's time to push. Coached pushing is another intervention. Uh When they Uh tell you to push, people don't know this because everything on TV is about pushing, right? Push, push, push. You blew my mind with this really in a, in a, the most simple way. It was just like, holy shit. Go. The fetal ejection reflex is what happens when the baby is lined up perfectly in the birth canal and ready to emerge. Your body begins to push, push naturally. And it really is like heaving to throw up except backwards from downstairs. It's the same feeling. I've had diarrhea. I know exactly. <laughs> it's just these contractions that happen naturally. You can't control, you couldn't stop them if you wanted to. And then if you give into them, things come out quickly. And I experienced that with my second birth at home. And it was amazing. It was so, I never pushed. I was never told to push. The baby came out. What blew my mind though, was that the, uh, the pushing's not right. And that like, Lamaze. Yes. Like, like I don't remember when we had our first child. I know that we did not take Lamaze classes. Did I ever say, well, should I look into, you want me to look into and find a Lamaze class? Lamaze was way less in vogue. Lamaze is the name of the person who invented a certain method of breathing, but it was so popular when we were kids. So it was just in everything. Pre anything, I would have said, yeah, one of the things you do when you're pregnant is you take these classes where I would sit on the floor and you would sit between my legs yeah. and uh, we would breathe, breathe together. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Hold your breath. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what Lamaze something was. like that. My mom took Lamaze and then I was born cesarean. So I don't know, <laughs> you know, like all of that. But there's like all these natural things that happen during your labor and they can all be different for every woman. And so to ask them to follow a same timeline or then intervene when you know that all the intervention side effects are to not have a a successful birth is fucked up. 
Okay. Did you do something though where you would like put your hands in ice water and stay breathing? No, calmly? I did. Okay. So there's a bunch of different techniques of learning how to deal with pain, which is could be good for anybody. And it could be like some people practice by squeezing a comb in their hand and like a comb, a comb, you know, like the like where comb. the, yeah, the teeth of the comb would be okay. into your okay. palm got it, got and it. you're like pressing it into your palm and yeah. you're just like controlling how you're responding to that sensation or holding your hand in ice water. I didn't do those things, but I was reading about, about them and I was talking about them during okay. my last pregnancy. Um, my second yeah. pregnancy. Yeah. Cause I remember it's weird that I remember it, but I remember it cause I remember learning about Wim Hof and then, oh, sure. Around and then being like, time. Oh, yeah. those are some similar ideas to some of the birth. You're controlling. If you start shivering, you're controlling, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and, and, and really for me, like the first birth I, I had done some like hypnosis type tapes. And the second one I was doing like different kind of relaxation, re- relaxation techniques. Cause all you need to do is stay calm. Don't be scared and wait. And your body does everything else. Mm-hmm. So if you can practice, you know, calming, fuck down and like not being scared of pain, then you're more likely to have a successful birth kind of go easily. So also being undisturbed, right? Because what does a cat do when they're in labor? They go hide in a closet or go out to the barn. They I don't know. I'm a big fan of finding them and using metal to open up their vaginas. <laughs> and trying to and, rip those kittens well, right I'm, out of them. I just like to get something nailed into the skull of at least <laughs> one of their babies. <laughs> to see if they're okay. So, okay. So yeah. So the fetal heart rate monitor led to them seeing a pattern that they believed would be true. And when it deviated from a pattern that they would say that baby needed intervention. And that's why I think that's maybe the most harmful thing next door to next door to the continuous fetal heart rate monitor, along with the ultrasound where they would see things and they would sometimes be wrong. They would say there was a problem. There needs to be intervention. So it's not what the monitor is doing. It's not it's the way they're using it. It's the in, the in quotes data they're getting from it, and then what they then use what that, that for leads. To. Yeah, yeah, and okay. especially because that that readout is going to tell the insurance company during the court case if you fuck up, so, that thing's going to tell on you. So you have to do these things exactly if you see a a dip in heart rate. So say I was way cooler than I am. <laughs> And I'd stolen that fetal heart rate monitor from the hospital when we had our first one. Uh-huh. And then I just still had it and it still worked. Do you think it would have been harmful for me to have used that during the home birth that we had on the second one? Like just, just out of curiosity, like getting it and like holding it. And so, okay. Like- there's two kinds of these electronic fetal monitors and one heart rate monitors. One is a continuous monitor and one is an intermittent monitor. Okay. So we could actually buy one from Amazon. That was a small little box. Actually, you remember I brought one home and during um, my last pregnancy mm-hmm. that my coworker who was also pregnant had and has a little wand that oh. looks like a microphone and you put some jelly on your tummy and fi- try to find yeah. the heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I, couldn't I find the heartbeat. That. I used it for two seconds. I was like, this is dumb. I don't need this. Yeah. And I brought it back to her. Uh-huh. Okay. So the the downside to any of those things I say is the same thing. That's there's a downside to ultrasound. There it's is just the bombarding of the it's sounds. frequency. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing as where the military developed this technology for identifying where submarines were. So it's like they sa- they send sound waves down into something and then it bounces off and comes back and the, it reads it as a sound. So that's what they say dolphins use to communicate uh-huh. or, or navigate or something. Yeah. Like 
seems harmless in the dolphins even. Right? Sure, it's a dolphin's voice. It's but not it's a, an electromagnetic literal, frequency. Like, yeah, right. Right. It's so what we're talking about if you think that there's but that's how they trick people, right? Like it's like, oh, it's just it's the same a as dolphin. Home. You know, you like dolphins, I love right? Dolphins. And uh, you know, they rarely rape humans. Um, <laughs> rarely. But they do they occasionally. Yes. So we're gonna look to them for, for <laughs> it's <laughs> so weird. Okay, so there's all these interventions. Interventions lead to more interventions. Interventions begin because you're not progressing as you're supposed to. So anytime you decide to go and give birth in captivity, it doesn't matter if you freaking have a birth plan or not. They're following what their insurance company says and what the hospital policy is. And you're basically trapped once you're there and you're in no state to advocate for yourself because you're, you're leaving this realm to go and find your baby and to be in that one foot in and one foot out of this existence and into another, um, is no place for you to argue with medical staff and, um, and authorities. Mm-hmm. So then you decide to have a home birth instead, and you bring that medical state, state into your own home. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too. Birth keepers used to be midwives were not licensed and they didn't need to follow anything other than natural law. And they came to you with their wealth of knowledge from their experience mm-hmm. of witnessing natural childbirth. Mm-hmm. And there, every country, every continent, every culture has a rich history of what that was. And that has been snuffed out, starting with like Salem witch trial times okay. of like these women who knew how to, you know, make polices or tinctures and, and knew which herbs helped for different things. Um, the, they were the, witches. You just think about that for like one second and then you're like, oh yeah, they're the ones who are going to be helping with birth. Right. Yeah. Those people that know herbalism, those people that know nature, especially and I don't physiology. Know, I just can really picture, and this is just my weird fantasy brain or whatever, like the, uh, I'm going to say single woman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who never married, but spent all of her time doing medicines and helping women. Yeah. Specifically women. women. Yeah. Like being in that way like that's kind of what i sort of picture a doula or that's or what it whatever. would be and maybe they're not like, single but their family's already raised you know yeah, what i mean something to it's that like effect. their kids are grown and now this is their passion it's yeah. always been interesting to them since they had their own kids and now they're following it yeah like they had kids we're talking like a long time ago yeah they we have kids. kids when you're like 17 <laughs> yeah like they're done having kids when they're 17 or 20 and then they they just they become the birth master of their of their area and they're doing tinctures and they're, you know, they're basically alchemists to some degree. Uh And then we come, uh, you know, like another hundred years later. And then all of a sudden it's time for the witch trials. And the church did not like those people because they were healing with nature and they weren't looking to God or to the more importantly, they weren't looking to the church. Yes. More, more, most importantly. So if you look at like pagan traditions or cult, any other cultures, women attended birth, men didn't, you didn't have the support of your husband during birth. You had the, he was probably nearby protecting the surrounding area. Whereas you had your, your sisters, your, your other daughters, your, um, your mom, your, any immediate family, would they just come together? They start cooking for you. They make sure there's hot water on, they make sure there's clean towels around and you do you, you know, like no one's making you do anything. Somebody's rubbing your back if you want to, but they make it like labor is this long, hard process. Early labor isn't. And if you can stay calm and not go to a hospital during the early labor, so much can happen before you get to the really intense part that like the intense part kind of happens pretty easily. Mm-hmm. You know, not for everybody, but pretty simply, especially if you can avoid being afraid. So what 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 the what it was a point we wanted to get back to women's preconceptions about birth, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to get so, back to that. Like and really I'm, hard. I'm going to you, now. You actually said it right up front. 
but there was no context. So now we have context yes. about all the interventions that happen in birth. And we know that a lot of the scary things that happen in birth where there's close calls is based on because it's caused by the intervention in the first place, the hospital intervention. Yes. Those things wouldn't have happened if you weren't in the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you talk to women that have had children, they want to tell you about how you can't do what you're saying naturally, because I had this experience and I was saved and it was really scary. And, and I'm so thankful I had the hospital there to save me. Mm -hmm. And if you try to like sit down with that lady and say, you know, maybe that was caused by the hospital. You cannot fucking have that. It's a brick wall. You but, can't but you have know, that conversation. You know where that conversation can happen? Where? is someone who didn't have intervention, but they want to tell you that, right? So they say, well, I think what you're doing is is great, but I don't think you should be doing it out of the boonies where you're at. I did it and we were right by a hospital and there were some complications and the freaking ambulance were like outside of my house ready to take us if we needed it, but they didn't end up taking us. Right. And you go, okay, let's retell that story without the ambulances there. What would have been different? A lot less drama, less a lot drama, less fear, a lot less fear, but that's it. You would have just like gone through and the baby would have been fine. the same essentially, except better. And I think <laughs> you know? what, the hard part too, is to just say like in life, sometimes people die mm -hmm. in life. Sometimes things happen that are outside of anyone's control and it ends with a life being lost to quote someone who was probably quoting someone else that you like, and I don't know her name. Okay. Uh, birth, un, unbirthed. The free birth, pod, podcast? free birth podcast. Oh, Emily, Amy, Saldaya, Emily Saldaya. Life ends at all stages. And that is a reality. Yes. Life ends at yeah. all stages from before birth. Yes. To, to, when, to, you're to when you're 95 or 110. Um, and every, and every single moment in between life can end there. Life ends at all stages. That's the, that's what yeah. I heard her say once. And, um, that's it's really powerful yes. and it needs to be reminded because it's you know we've experienced a miscarriage and it was really challenging but i can't imagine that it's it's would be easy it's it's you can't even compare it to losing a, a newborn baby you can't even compare that to losing a kid you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's like all of these things would be really hard and sometimes it's outside of your control and that doesn't make it any easier mm -hmm. but what really doesn't make it easier is when the authorities come knocking at your house to take your other kids because you didn't do everything you could to save your baby. Yeah. And they determined that the everything part is to be in a hospital with all these other problems that probably would have been ended in the same outcome. And that's um, like, I, I gave the example of, uh, of, of ambulances being outside and what would happen. But like, that's like, that's the way I want to in the future approach. Anytime someone says something like that to me, which I haven't had as much as you probably have as a man. I don't think people are as quick to try and talk me out of something uh, like a birth. Cause it's not me. Mm -hmm. They might be thinking, Oh, I'd love to talk to your wife and talk her out of it. But my first question is like, okay, like what happened? And then what would happen if they hadn't been there? Yeah. Like really walk me through it in both scenarios. Um, it's so, it's so hard for women to look back because I think part of healing from birth in the system is to reframe it in a way that makes it so that you can tolerate what actually happened to you. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely 100% what I did during, after my first labor, I said, I had a natural labor and I was just meaning I didn't have any pain medication. They gave me Pitocin 
for the last half an hour and they cut me and they had a fetal heart rate monitor on me the entire time. And I had an IV with antibiotics. That was not a natural labor. But afterwards I felt good because I rejected the narcotics that they kept offering. Yeah. Me. Yeah. They wanted to fucking drill into your spine. I never let them tie me to the <laughs> bed. I never, and I never took the narcotics. Yes. Yeah, so it was nothing like how you got there. Maybe let <laughs> me tie you to the bed. No, I'm kidding. Gross I'm kidding. and give you narcotics. Okay. <laughs> so what I mean though, is like, for me, that was the important part. I didn't have a C-section. I didn't take drugs. Right. But the Pitocin without the drugs is almost unbearable. And, and it's, and it's a lie. They're lying to you, telling you that you're doing it naturally. Oh, they didn't tell me, but yes, that's the way that's, I had to reframe but that's, it. That's how it's, how it's because who, it's not very common to take Pitocin and not take pain man management because it's so horribly intense that women can't tolerate it. Yeah. So if they would have had to keep me on the Pitocin, if they would have chosen to keep me okay. on the Pitocin, I would have eventually probably given into the drugs. Maybe they're not lying to you. But they're sure not giving you all the truth, which to me is a lot like lying. Yes. You know, like if you have in any way stated you want to give a natural birth, they should be, if they're not lying to you, they're telling you everything that's not part of natural birth. Well, it's birth. so interesting that you say but they, that. But they're not. They're going to be like, oh, no, we're not going to give you any pain meds. We're just going to give you Pitocin. Well, right. Which is probably going to lead you to why it's pain meds. Well, because they bring you in there with, of course, bring your birth plan. You know, we we can we'll just go easy. We'll keep the lights low. You can take a bath if you want to. You can sit on the yoga ball. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, looking at the watch, 12 hours have passed. Your water's been broken. We need to do this, this, and this, or you're going in for a C-section. And then you're already trapped there. And, and these going, things well, are starting guess, to happen. I guess these interventions are better than a C-section. Everything is better than a C-section. That is a major abdominal surgery. Uh-huh. That is the most common major surgery in the United States, both elective and emergency. So crazy. We deliver something like 40 something percent of our babies via C-section. That's so crazy. You cut through seven layers. You cut through skin, fat, fascia, muscle, uterus, uh, amniotic sac. And there's one more I can never remember in that layer of things to, to unearth a baby. So it's like a seven layer burrito. Who, yeah. Who then they have to pound on and squeeze and suction to get all the fluid out of them. Uh, they don't get any of the hormones that they would get, <laughs> or you would get during the, the evacuation. They don't get the, you're on antibiotics, you're on narcotics. You don't bond with your baby the same. Then you go home a few days later with this horrible scar if, that you have to take care of this wound. If you get to take home your baby it's so much, like, like there's, there's a good chance that at that point they're keeping the baby for like two months until they get strong enough to well, go home. It depends on the I, situation, but yes, months. absolutely. I just, I, I had a friend long before we met who, um, he and his wife had a, a some kind of difficult pregnancy and, um, the, the baby ended up not making it, but it was a full month at least before that baby came home. Mm -hmm. And then it died within weeks of being at home. And I bet I'm not friends with these people anymore. Uh, but I bet if I could talk to him, he'd say, yeah, you know what our big mistake was is we brought it home from the hospital. Sure. Because they would frame did, it that way. Cause we were like, they were like, you know, 19 and 20. But if I remember your story that she had gestational diabetes and they took the baby early, she was induced. Yeah. So this started with an induction for a baby that was born and then born too early. 
Babies yeah. are naturally born between 38 and 42 weeks gestation. Some women even go to up to 44 weeks and if it's go- if they let them go naturally. But we don't even know that anymore because inductions are scheduled for 38, 39 weeks. And if you have other factors, it might even be before that. Babies aren't ready to come out until they're ready. And it was, it, all of it was somehow, I, w- I didn't care. I was, you know, drunk and partying. He was just yeah, a, a close friend of kids mine. Kids having babies. Yeah. Um, and so sad. Um, it had a lot to do with the bit with the diabetes. Cause I just, I just remember it was like three or five years later that the Atkins diet became yeah. a thing. Uh-huh. And I remember him being like, man, we could have avoided all of that. If, if we would have just known to not because we could have bought, we could have bought the stuff oh my gosh. at the store that says Atkins friendly. That's why these kind of conversations we're having can't reach most people. Cause there's so many steps from nature that they are so far away from the natural processes of anything, including eating and shitting. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, there there's, it's just so, it's so 150 years of birth in the system like this with increased intervention, we don't even know that it can happen on its own anymore. And it's, it's near impossible to convince a woman who's been through that, that any different. It's really unrelated, but I think it's, it's a similar, it, it drives in a similar point. You were asking about BCE yeah. with ancient history the other day. What's BCE? I know what BC is, but what's BCE? And I told you it's before the common era. It used to be before Christ, but they like changed it like officially or whatever. And our kids, grandkids, for sure, are going to be like, before Christ, what? Is that some weird, was that the Christians trying to take over history uh-huh. and put that in there? Not the other way around. Yeah. Right? Right. So it's like, if we got 100 years of birth intervention, people are not going to remember that there was anything before that. I know. And if there is anything in quotes remembered, it's that, oh yeah, pioneers used to have to do it out in the fields and they had to have 20 kids because it only, if they had 20, if they birthed 20 babies, they might have nine kids when they get older. And so as far as I understand it, birth outcomes before the start of the system were pretty decent, but moms and babies died because of malnutrition and other problems with sanitation after the fact. Women weren't getting enough food and so they were depleted to begin with. And those babies and the women were depleted uh, you didn't have proper hand washing, running water. It sounds a lot like uh, city problems too. Totally, right? right? Like you know, like in not a homestead that's on its own. Yeah. Not right. Not or or just you know natural. different times, different seasons, hard times that you go through. Right. Sure. sure. It is possible that you're giving birth when it's uh, 20 below zero. You know, there's there's all those factors, and so if we can like combine the good things we have about today, like running water and heat um, and like a roof over our head and, and availability of foods with the leaving it alone for a physiological, natural, unassisted, un, un, uh, you know, intervened in birth, then we have like this, this possibility of having better outcomes than we've ever had before. And I think what's really shocking to people is when you actually look at the statistics, we do not have the best birth outcomes. Yeah. We're actually close to third world countries. Really? Yes. Oh, that is so fascinating. So yeah, no, no one's talking about that. Women who are starving and, and don't have running water and don't have water and are covered in flies are having the similar birth outcomes, meaning that moms and babies die just as often See? in those countries as they do in America. It's another place that it's a psyop, right? Like it, we, we're, we're convinced we're, we're convinced that we're giving better birth now than we were in the 19th century or before. 
because of medical intervention, but we don't actually look at the bottom line. Are we? Yeah. Are we? It has not improved. It's Um, not gotten better. The more cesareans, the more problems there are. I mean, women die of blood clots after surgeries and stuff. You you said 40. Did I hear right? 40% (laughs) of births in the United States are are cesarean 40 something yes and then there's Holy some areas shit. certain hospitals where it's upward of 60 okay. percent. now please tell me uh, i mean i don't i'm not saying you know right off your head but like the next question is and of those 40 percent, let's make that the 100 the 100 of those what is the uh success rate of those and then what's the long-term success rate what determines the success rate did they live a week yeah how many lived three months how many lived 12 years. So, and now, now let's keep going. How many of those people have fucking, um, uh, 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 autoimmune disorders? How many of those people have, have, um, emotional problems? How many of those people are on SSRIs because they didn't have the fucking proper birth or you and see, the proper like, yeah. use of their fucking yeah. hormones and brains? Let's look at, you know, like, I mean, we could just keep going and going and maybe that 40 for that hundred percent of the 40%. Yeah are all fucked up. Right? Because you can say like all this intervention, this the antibiotic use, the narcotic use, the trauma to the body, the loss of control, like, because you're not, we haven't even hit on just a little bit with the oxytocin talk is the natural process that happens brings a woman into motherhood in this most miraculous transformative way you want to talk about alchemy, inject this, these, this lady in with all of these different hormones and these things that happen to her. And this baby comes out and she bonds with them when she's given that space she needs to heal and to recover from that. She will emerge stronger and more powerful than ever. And I did have you listen to a podcast that Emily Saldea um, was on with a couple of dads that she talked to because I thought this one was really powerful. Um, The podcast that she was on was called terrain theory and uh, it's two guys and she talked, talked to these guys and it was great because it was, I've listened to her talk a lot, but she's talking to people who don't know what she knows. So she's kind of, and that's where I kind of picked that uh, the ambulance pulling up. Oh, sure. That story is from that episode. Um, But what I was getting at here, when you're, Allowing the natural process to happen and a woman becomes a mother in a natural way, all of the things that happen to her make her like she's so powerful after that. A person who who knows enough to trust their body, they're not going to go out and send their kid to public school. Mm -hmm. They're not going to sign up to get their third booster shot. They're not going to go to the doctor or the hospital to ask them if their kid is okay. Preach it. They're going to take care of themselves in a different way. And our systems do not want that. No, and it starts at fucking birth. The part that I've wanted to talk about and dissect with someone who understands, like, what are they called? S... SRAs, what am, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Satanic rites abuse. Sa- sat- satanic, satanic ritual, ritual abuse. abuse. That's the word I couldn't think of. Sa- like the way of like just like hurting someone so bad and then building them up in this way that you have full control over them. Over them. There can be no more perfect moment to do this in than this part. This this rite of passage. Taking that away from a woman, making her feel powerless, making her feel as if she was rescued, and taking that part uh, that rite of passage from the baby. Yeah. I wanted to say that. Yeah. yeah. When they enter this world and making it scary and controlled and all of that, like, it's just, it's like a perfect storm. It's like, if I was, you know, if I was Satan, I would design it to be just like this, you know, the famous Paul Harvey speech. Paul Rudd quote, right? Paul Paul Rudd quote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Paul Paul Rudd said that. Yeah. 
Well, uh, we've gone over what I thought. I could talk for 16 more hours. I know. I, I feel, feel like, like we're just scratching I didn't the get anywhere with it. But um, I just am like so floored by this. One thing I want to really quickly share from this book, Pushed, that I read, which was a, a lot of great information from you know, the history and everything. It's funny. You brought this book out. I thought we were going to like kind of go over the book. You opened it to the first page of the, the introduction. introduction. And you haven't looked at it once. And we've, and I, gonna... I've glanced. I even see some words. That okay. Like, oh, that's interesting. November 9th, 1965, the U.S. Patent Office granted George Blonsky, who was a retired mining engineer, and his wife, Charlotte, who was a med former medical student, their patent number 3,216,423. And this patent was for an apparatus for facilitating the birth of a child by centrifugal force. Okay. They called their machine the Blonsky, and this invention actually never got legs and never was made, but it was this NASA-style machine I that saw they the word NASA on had that like welded and mounted into the floor of a structure where they put a woman into the structure, pregnant. a pregnant woman, and spun her around so fast that it would suction the baby out, which would be somehow caught in some kind of a soft thing. That was something that someone was serious enough about to actually get a patent for. They never got, that was stayed at the drawing board. It never was tested. It was never built. That we know of. Right? Did but, they test it and build it before they fucking registered for a patent? I don't know, know but it was know? a mining, like the, the people didn't even have a medical background. No. Like they weren't, and guess what? He's, guess what? what? They didn't have kids. Oh, no shit. Yeah, they never had kids. Can you believe it? That kind of shit, though, seems so ridiculous and laughable. Like, how is it even a thing? But you know what? All of the other interventions we use seem like that, too, when you look at it with the right lens. It, it really is. And it goes way outside of childbirth, too. It's like we have all these things about life that are designed from a different point of view than the actual, like, direct application uh, yeah and you know? everything works against you know we're using the dolphin technology to to read the heartbeat but like everything that's designed is just to completely circumvent and work against nature when nature already was doing it just fine yeah 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 especially when you bring in the nature i wasn't actually thinking nature wise in my saying that just now i was thinking things like uh it looks better on paper to have a stereo that's built with no screws and it's just a, a snap together plastic case, but then it's like something it's not practical because then you can't take it apart to, to use fix it. it. Oh, but then we'll lower the price down enough so that people can just throw it away and buy a new one. Like we're so far from uh -huh. like having, a, it's not a good stereo. We're not, no one's even talking about being a good stereo anymore. It's the most efficient it's, to, it's and just, cheapest it's just, and, it's been yeah. decided for us that this is the way it's done. And everyone accepts that that's what it is. Right. It's so strange. There's so many aspects of our life like this. I'm sure Sure, we'll come back to this topic again another day but yeah. for now thank you for letting me yell at you for an hour and 15 minutes i don't feel like that at all and thanks for everyone who listens to me well, if they, okay yeah you can say that and then i'll say one well, thank you for letting me interrupt you for a <laughs> i do i just get so heated about it because it's like can, like listen to the things that i'm saying like can you not see this no, and the answer is stupid <laughs> people can't but people listening might people can't to. see it and i'm like so sorry if anyone was triggered trigger warning <laughs> this this might be a difficult one to listen to if you've had a traumatic birth that you you've you know reframed but in your mind as us. being saved okay. but i want to hear your story like we totally want to hear your story you want to hear more than i do i don't really want to hear shit from anybody but <laughs> uh <laughs> no we totally want to hear your story um and not because we want to convince you that you were wrong uh or anything like that but because it's 
fascinating and uh, gosh i'm I'm such a dick i'm like not because we don't want to convince you you're wrong we're perfectly fine with hearing your story and knowing that you're wrong and not convincing you (laughs) no really i think like anytime i hear a new story from a personal perspective that's somewhere for me to like take in more information maybe it's something i hadn't looked at before you know and i'm not should say also i'm not saying there is never an emergency that can't be helped with medical intervention mm-hmm. as we said at the beginning i just think that they're so rare and so few that starting us in a system that's going to add give intervention that will create more necessary intervention is the wrong way to go. Nature's doing its thing. If you see one of the, you know, six things that could happen during labor that is really, really concerning, then yeah, maybe having your baby pulled out of you um, from your belly. Oh, it's so upsetting. Midwives are starting to say it's okay. We're calling it belly birth now. Instead of having a C-section. That's fucked. That, that like makes me so, uh, so enraged, so angry. Well, we're wrapped up. Yeah. I want to give one more quote. Okay. From Alfonso Ribeiro. Oh, okay. Alfonso. Alfonso Ribeiro. I think I'm getting his name right. The guy from uh, Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and uh, now the host of America's Funniest Videos. Where he uh, showed a picture of an elephant. Uh-huh. And he said that all elephant births are natural births. So nobody better be going around them when they're given labor, when they're in labor. That because was the, joke. the that she's going to be so mad that she's dealing with. Labor. You don't want to fuck with someone who's given. You know what birth. you don't want to fuck with is anybody in birth ever. Just walk away and let her do her thing. And at the same time, bother. Like you just break it down for just a sec. Nobody bother them. Yeah, because you're bothering women. Like in our case, like we we don't have natural birth, and because yeah. we're, we're constantly bothering them. I and know, we're, and we're and we're, it's not natural; it's uh. unnatural birth. Let's let's just break down your words, R- R- uh, Alfonso. You when they have natural births, so nobody bother them. Unlike our human women who have unnatural births, so we bother the and they're shit just out constantly of them. bothered the whole time. And this is this throwaway joke that me and our uh, son heard. I mean, and that's just, just like, part of that society's perception of what birth is. That it's a negative, painful, scary thing. Just like we talk about all the time about how having kids is a hassle and your life will change and you're never going to do anything fun again. It's just so fucked up and backwards. And birth is such a big part of it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully we'll be back in sooner and than Alfonso, two months Alfonso, if you're listening, I'm sorry, man. I'm, oh. I don't mean to make fun of you. I'm making fun of your joke, which you didn't write. You didn't write it. Yeah, so he's fine with it. Okay. Thanks again, everybody. Until next time.